You're listening to the Manimers Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 48. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Manimers Podcast, and this is the podcast where we talk about the business side of gaming and how to take your local game store to the next level of success. I uh, just want to start off the show by saying thanks for coming out and tuning in, tuning into another episode. I, I definitely appreciate it, and I know the roundtable co-hosts. In this case, uh, for this episode, that's John Covello and Gary Sproul. Also, really appreciate it as well. And I just wanted to say before we get started, uh, you know, thanks, thanks for tuning in. I always appreciate the listeners, and you, you know, without you, the show doesn't. Uh, there's no reason to keep doing this. So, thanks, guys. And uh, I also want to say, just you know, I really do want to encourage you to email me, email me. You know, tell me you hate me, tell me you like me, tell me what you like about the show. I don't care. I just, I love the feedback. You know, just send me something, send me something straight to Tom at com. Whatever you feel like uh, telling me about, you know, tell me what you want to hear on the show in the future, because I've gotten some great emails from listeners who've uh, inspired many topics for the show. So if you want to know something, if you want to hear us talk about a particular particular subject, you know, particular games, uh, publishers, whatever you want, you know, whatever you want. We'll entertain any idea. So, uh, you got your suggestions? Tom at ManiverseSaga.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter, at Tom Traplin. You know, that's fine, too. Follow me, you know. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of what I wanted to mention for the start of the show. And, but yeah, so let's just get into it. So, today's roundtable episode, we're talking websites. And as a website owner, I've been uh, the owner of a website for a couple of years now. As you might have noticed, if you've been a regular listener of the show, you know, you got you got to host a podcast on a website. Well, at least if you want to do it right, you got to put up a website. So I've been I've been working with a uh, I got a special deal for you guys. It's basically what I'm saying is I've been working with a company called Bluehost for the uh, for this particular website, metaversesaga.com and as a Bluehost customer, I've had uh, you know I've had a fair bit of experience. I've I've seen how they deal with their customers. I've experienced it personally, and I've also had experience with other web hosts. And not all of them are made equally. Bluehost is by far one of the most user friendly. And as as a customer of Bluehost, they are also extremely affordable. And as a special deal. I'm also part of Bluehost's affiliate program. So if you are in the market for a website, you can go to maniversaga.com forward slash Bluehost. And that'll take you to the Bluehost homepage where you can then get access to a special deal where you can sign up for a 36-month package. Grand total cost is $3.49 per month for hosting unlimited domains on a single server, on a single package. So if you have 10 websites, it's, that doesn't matter. You can put them all on the same thing, same price, $3.49 a month. It's a really great deal, especially if you're just starting out. The nice thing about Bluehost is that it's really easy for you to start out small and then scale up to whatever your visitors and whatever kind of traffic volume you are already building up to. So you should check that out for sure. The topic of the show is websites and whether or not you need them. I'm going to have you convinced that a website is the way to go. So, as for broad topics, real quick, we cover the domain name. You know, how to get it set up and what you, if, do you need a .com, do you need a .ca, do you need a .biz, all kinds of TLDs that you can sign up for. But we talk about the domain and how it impacts your business. 
and kind of what your naming conventions should be. We also hit up hosting, you know, the different kinds of servers other than Bluehost. We also talk about uh, CMS platforms, and that's content management systems. These are the things that make your website go. So the big one, the one most people, well, maybe not most people, but the one that a lot of people probably already know about is one called WordPress. WordPress actually powers 25% of the internet. It's a pretty crazy statistic, and the reason it is so prevalent, the reason it's so everywhere, is because WordPress is a very reliable, easy to use, and uh, it's very modular. It's really easy to customize once you get used to the the way the WordPress works. For example, if you go through Bluehost, it's a very easy way to get WordPress onto your website. So once you, just to start off, you buy the domain, you buy your hosting package, you know, you don't have a website yet. Nothing's there. There's no code to display to the uh, your visitors, you know, anything. It's just a blank page or it's a, you know, a visiting the coming soon page. With Bluehost, as soon as you sign up, there's a button that literally says one-click WordPress install. So all you have to do is click that button, and then five minutes later, you will have WordPress installed on your site automatically. You don't have to do anything else. And you can go from there. You can you install themes, plugins, all kinds of widgets and wacky stuff that you can put, in, put onto your site. It's a, it's a great way to get your, stite, or get your site started. Get your site started. What am I doing? So you, that's a good way to get started. And as part of the deal, if you do go through my affiliate link, all you have to do is send me the welcome email and I will set up your WordPress theme. I'll do any plugins that you want. I'll set up your widgets. It's just a nice little, uh, little added bonus if you uh, go through that affiliate link. Once again, maniversaga.com forward slash Bluehost. So there's WordPress, and then we also go over a few of the other options that you might want to explore if you're going for a website and you, you don't want to, you don't want to do something as technical as WordPress. We talk about things like Squarespace and Shopify and all kinds of other fun stuff. The what you see is what you get kind of drag and drop sort of things. We also talk about social networks and how you should use them integrated with your whole web presence plan. And we also, you know, cover certain topics like uh, SEO, which for the non-tech people is search engine optimization. It's a, it's a very important aspect of having a website. You know, being found on Google is pretty much the, uh, the holy grail. You want to be on that top number one spot for the keyword terms that matter most to you and your customers. So we, get, we do a brief overview on that. And if, uh, if you are interested, you can go check out the SEO guide on maniversaga.com for a little more in-depth information on that kind of thing. There, the other topics are also that we kind of dabble in a little bit. Um, e-commerce, we save the majority of that topic for the next roundtable, which you should definitely look forward to because that's a good show. But uh, yeah, we do uh, we dip into e-commerce a little bit about how to sell online, and then we also go over uh, the email email lists and what you should use or how to stay in touch. So like you know you can. You, People liking your Facebook page, it's great. You When you post things on your Facebook page, it uh, may or may not pull push out to their feed, and then they might come back to your page, and then they might come back to your store. Email is a lot easier. Email is, once you have that email address for the person, you can then just send them the email. And assuming you're not spamming them crazily and your email is going straight into the spam folder, Email is a much more reliable way of keeping in touch with your customers. So we do a brief overview on how to how to get an email list set up and what you need to do and how you can use that to grow your business and keep your customers coming back. So that is the topic of the show. 
and me and my two co-hosts, I think we do a pretty good job of doing this, doing this subject some justice. So, like I said, hopefully by the end of this episode, you are looking forward to creating a website of your own, or maybe upgrading to a more reliable Bluehost possible web server. Uh, yeah, so well, let's just I'm going to leave it right there, and let's just get into the episode, because this intro has already taken long enough. Let's go! Alright guys, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and I have two guests with me, my two co-hosts. On the left, we have John Coviello. How you guys doing? I'm John. I own the Little Shop of Magic out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Sweet. And Gary Sproul, back again. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm Gary Sproul, and I own the Haunted Game Cafe in Fort Collins, Colorado. How you guys doing? Pretty good. good Excellent. Stuff. Good stuff. Excellent. Another good Saturday, I hope. Yeah, well, I'm at work, so, <laughs> you know, it's good. It's fine. Yeah, work is fun when you're dealing with games, so. And better than some people's alternatives. Indeed. Yeah. So today we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about websites in the age of social media. Do we even need a website? That's the question we're going to try and answer. We're going to give some back and forth opinions on it and uh, we've got uh, some varied experience. John has had a website for how long? Um since 96. 96. So almost well, the inception of the internet. When, uh, yeah, dial-up, dial-up times, yes. Yeah, 56K but, um, modems. I guess it's 20 years, it'll be 20 years in September, so. Wow. And how long has, uh, have you had your site, Gary? Well, we started our website before the shop opened, so 2007, 2008, something like that, uh, and web technology had, had gotten a lot easier to use since I started uh, messing around with websites back during the front page era. Mm. Yeah, way back in the day. Did you have to hand code it in HTML originally? Or at least get somebody to hand code it for you? The first ones I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, times have changed for sure. So, well, let's start with a question. Obviously, for you guys, the answer was, yeah, we, we want a website. So why did you guys go that route? Um, well, for us, there wasn't a choice, right? 96, there wasn't a such thing as Facebook. There was no um, nation. Hell, there was no, uh, what was it called, um, MySpace, right? I mean, none of that, none of those things existed. Um, but we always knew that um, this is where things were going as far as, I, I have a fairly techie background. I, I went to high school in Italy and ha um, got a diploma in computer science. Um, out, out there, you basically choose a profession in high school. Um, then when I came to the United States, um, I uh, went to school, um, I, college, um, I got a degree in uh, computer science and public relations. So um, technology has always been a part of what I do, and I, I see the potential for work, what it could do. And, and sure enough, most of that has come true, right? You could see it even back in the days that this internet thing was going to become big, and we needed something uh, right off the bat. Uh, it, it was also a differentiation point for us. Um, it was like you wouldn't think at that time to not have a yellow page listings, and for us it was like you would not think of not having a website. Uh, the only difference was back in the day, it was considerably harder to do than it is today. But the answer for us, even even with that kind of level of entry barrier, was irrevocably, yes, you need a website. All right. It was about the same for us. We wanted to make sure that we could craft a message that ex that looked and felt exactly the way we wanted to look. The social media sites do a fine job of giving you a snapshot of things. 
Um, but to get really the look and feel of what you're trying to communicate to your customers, you really need to have a website that, that does exactly what you want it to do. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, so I guess when the, when you think about it, most most game stores right now, or I think a, a very large majority of them, that don't have a website are relying almost entirely on their Facebook page. That's sure. like almost everyone has a Facebook page at least. But like Gary said, you don't really have a lot of aesthetic control over Facebook. It's just it is it's you know Facebook no matter what. So you can change the cover the cover page. You can change your uh, your little icon for your logo, but that's really the extent of it. You can't change the colors. You can't really do anything about it. It's just it's going to look like Facebook no matter what. And then also, you know, you don't control Facebook. And that's another another the uh, the topics that we were going to cover is the diminishing returns from Facebook over the, the past couple of years. So, when it comes to websites, how did you guys get yours built? Well, we started with WordPress. Uh, that was the easiest to use tool that was available when I started. And I've been super happy with it ever since. It's, it's extremely adaptable. It's kept up with technology. It's uh, got much more um, tools available for it. It's, uh, it's been wonderful. And we've gone through several major changes to our website, mm. uh, but the infrastructure hasn't changed at all. I can still um, make changes and post and change our calendar and do all the important things that I used to do and, tr and more importantly, train others to do without having to worry about you know, learning code or worrying about how the theme is going to change things. It's, uh, it's a very solid technology. And for us, it's been... I mean, going from hand-coded HTML with very limited functionality, moving on to things like NukePHP, uh, which is pretty much for the most part gone nowadays. Uh, but in the current environment, um, we run off of Joomla, um, which is another content management system. Um, not as widely spread as WordPress, um, definitely a little more techy, not as bad as Drupal. So you, if you don't know what a CMS is, it's basically a content management system. What it'll do is set up a, a, a system for you to basically be able to go in there and do a lot of work without having to have really extensive technical background, like posting news articles and with a couple of plugins potentially doing calendars and things like that, right? Um, but I went with Joomla instead of WordPress. WordPress is great and it's widely diffused. Um, for us, it was just a little too much blog-centric and didn't have enough of that e-commerce that we wanted and, and sort of the extra other things that we need from a functionality standpoint from our website. But yes, currently right now, uh, it is Joomla. We've gone through probably four or five different engines through the process of getting to this, but it's been Joomla for a long, long time. I want to say five or seven years. I forgot exactly when. And we've just upgraded the Joomla website. Everything else came with us. Uh, changed templating and things like that. Um, you know, especially nowadays where you have to worry about things like adaptability. Your website needs to be able to shrink and expand depending on Right, responsive. What what the viewer is looking at, if you're on a tablet, and you're on a cell phone, the majority of our users nowadays access our website through a mobile device of some sort, either a tablet or a cell yeah. phone. So we have to be considerate and mindful of that, basically. So, But yes, Joomla for us right now is what we're, and we like it. Uh, WordPress is also great. I would say if you're not very technically minded, WordPress is definitely a lot more user-friendly than Joomla, although it's getting better. And Drupal is the one I would not touch unless you really, really feel like think tinkering with stuff. Yeah, we looked at uh, Drupal, and uh, it, it was just, it was, it's an incredible toolbox of what yep. it's able to do. Um, but yeah, yeah, the learning curve for us was, uh, 
was a little much. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that, and, and John is absolutely correct, the, there's a blog look bias to WordPress. Um, no matter how many themes come out for it, it's still kind of got that general look and feel of, a, of an old-fashioned style blog. Um, the big thing for us was being able to uh, hand it off to other people. Uh, if I can go to a marketing person and say, you know, rearrange something for me, build something for me. We use WordPress, and all of them all know how to use it. So I can just hand off something to someone and just say, okay, here's the instructions for our theme. Go for it. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of advantages to the usability for WordPress. There's, like, there's a, a reason why more than a quarter of the entire Internet runs on WordPress. It's very easy to use. It's very easy to install. And I think that's also a good place to kind of to start today. If you were looking to build a site if you had a store or if you didn't have a store, if you were in the planning stages, a good place to start is your website. Because that's an easy way, well, if you're in the process of building one, you definitely want to lock down your domain name, you want to get that stuff, you know, taking it like same as your social media, that's part of the part of the package, you have to get those accounts made before they get uh, taken by and, competitors potentially. And it's also a good way to start gaining some exposure for your business. Nowadays people talk through the internet. Um, Gary is in the middle of a campaign for what his store should do. We did something similar when we were trying to make up our minds. Um, and it, you know, it, it, the website is integral to that. News articles that go in there for us. Our website also handles our email uh, function. So any article that is published to the website gets put into the e email at the end of the, the week and it goes out to all our subscribers. Right? So it's a great way to stay in touch and keep in touch with people. But when you're first starting, it's a great way to start getting people to know that you're going, you're coming, you're going to open up, what you're going to offer, what makes your store unique, et cetera, et cetera. These are all things you can do way ahead of the time you open that door. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, like it's a, even if it's just a basic landing page, if it's just a single page that says, hey, this is a store that's coming, coming soon, you know, like you start generating that excitement so that customers know when you're opening, what, where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing, and they can start lining up, virtually lining up for your uh, services, right? So yeah, start building that community before you even open your doors. That's basically how uh, Travis Perry did it. He was talking, when I, when I did the interview with him, he talked about how he, he did it through Facebook, but... Mm -hmm. He did the same kind of idea. I got the got the ball rolling before he even opened the doors, and that's how we kind of he opened up with so much momentum. But uh, yeah, so let's kind of start from the beginning, because if somebody's never built a website before, this is an, an intimidating process. Sure. Like so, the idea of that uh, you can very easily build a site on your own. There's like especially today, you know, back 20 years ago, it involved coding. It involved you know, like have some very difficult processes. If you weren't like a nerd and you weren't very tech-based, you would have a lot of trouble putting something together that didn't look terrible. Right. But today, there's there's tons of options to make it super easy. So the first part, I've got some some notes that I wanted to to kind of go through. Uh, the the thing you have to consider the most is your domain name, because if you want to be found, your domain name should reflect your business in some way. You can't just you know can't be something. Uh, Unrelated, it's got, if ideally it's just the name of your shop. That would be the, the best for uh, SEO purposes, which is uh, search engine optimization. But, uh, so, how do you get the domain name? Like, what's the process? What do you have to do, right? Like, for somebody who's never done it, this is a big question. 
so the the uh, the essential structure is that uh, you generally will go to a hosting service first. If you're building this yourself and you're not outsourcing it to somebody else, you'd want to do a host like uh, like the host that I use for my website is uh, Bluehost, and they're a very inexpensive option for for somebody just getting started that doesn't have a lot of traffic necessarily, but it can scale up if you feel like it. And uh, when you're signing up, you buy the domain. You, you do a domain search, and then you basically reserve it for your account. And you can buy multiple domains and ha have them in your hosting account. You can do multiple websites at the same time. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. But uh, Bluehost is a good way to start, and I wanted to, to mention them because I like them myself. Like I've had them for my site for about two years. And they're easy. They're very easy. Like I've uh, I've had experience with multiple different domain hosts, and some of them are a little more technical. Like they expect you to come in with a little bit more experience. Whereas Bluehost is like, don't worry, we got it for you. You literally sign up, and then if you want to go the WordPress route, you you press one button, and then five minutes later you have a WordPress site. There's almost nothing to it. There's. We should also mention that there's also options where you pay them a subscription fee and they will give you a template or design your website basically for you. I haven't experimented too much with one of those, but uh, I, I bet it makes it a lot easier to get your site looking and feeling the way you want it. For sure. So, and, and if I can interject a couple of things before we move too far away from it. So a couple of differences between your domain name host and your actual website host, they can be the same person, they can be different things. Um, yes. I wanted to put in a couple of things when you decide to choose your domain name, and I guess this goes into naming your store. Do yeah. a couple of web searches. Don't, I mean, I don't know how many game empire stores exist and how many gamers havens, and when, when you basically are picking a name that is fairly widespread, the problem with that is Google is going to look at who's been around the longest. They're going to come up usually higher up than you are. Uh, when you're first opening up. So pay some attention to the, your choice of name of store, which will also translate into the domain. Keep in mind that people don't like to type a lot. So if you're, um, you're the www.wesellgamesandlotsofcomics.com is probably not a great um, URL to be um, requesting. And um, I know a lot of people kind of buy .net, .biz, .everything that they can on the domain name. I don't. I just have I dot com. .com. I don't know if it's even worth it. <laughs> you know, dot com is the way you want to go, and not even worry about the other ones. As, as far as I am concerned, at least. So, when you sign up for your, when you buy your domain from the company that you buy it from, they're going to strongly suggest that you buy every possible permutation. You know, just to keep it safe, so that no one else steals your domain. And they're going to suggest every little variation or slight change and misspelling they're also going to upsell they're also going to upsell you on privacy and security and SSL certificates and all kinds of things that you probably don't need right off the that, bat that you probably don't need you probably don't need except maybe SSL for the most part the cheap domain was like GoDaddy is is relatively expensive we were with them for a little bit uh Absolutely worst, horrible experience trying to go away from them because every five minutes is a phone call. Well, why, what do I do? why do you want to leave? I'm like, because well, I want to leave, okay, in the story. But yeah. um, the thing I would say, if you're going to splurge on anything, um, splurge on service. If you can, I pay a little bit more, but literally if there's any technical problems, um, my host handles them. They go in, they fix it. Sometimes there's an extra charge because it's something literally they have to go in and this 
this plugin for Joomla doesn't want to play nice with the server settings or whatever. If it is something like that, um, yes, I am very technically minded, but understand this, I don't, my primary job is not to be a web designer. Uh, my primary job is to run the store. Uh, I don't have the time to keep up with the technology and all this good stuff. So for me, it's very much worth it. Even if you are a tech guy, you're not going to have time. Let somebody else handle that part for you, even if it is a little bit more a month. Uh, so my recommendation when you shop for those, find out, ask questions. What will you do if something goes wrong, right? If a server gets breached, they said most, a lot of servers, if there's a security breach, they're just like, oh, you need to go through these procedures. And you are going through and trying to go nuts, trying to figure out what went wrong and how to fix it. They'll just shut down the website. That's all they'll do. So be yeah. careful with that. And cheap sometimes means cheap service, right? So. Yes. And that's one of the reasons that I, I do like Bluehost is because I know that, uh, like, if I had the experience with GoDaddy, similar to you, that they try to keep you. They don't let, they're not really nice if you're not trying to, to work with them. They're like, they try to make it a little bit difficult. But uh, Bluehost is, they, they respond quickly. You can do a live chat and they will take care of whatever problems. That's part of their, part of their deal. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of considerations with uh, service and the level of technical ability that the, uh, the hosting company is willing to offer you. Some of them are just, you're on, you're on your own. Try and figure out what happened. Your site's down. You know, that's, that's just the name of the game. You're going to have to figure it out. Sorry. But, uh, yeah. Uh, what yeah, you mentioned before. Help is point you to 10 pages of troubleshooting. You yeah, know, yeah go check out the knowledge base and dig through <laughs> it yourself. Yeah, with uh, what you were talking about before, the, uh, picking the name, the domain, and all that stuff, and how you have to do the Google search. Try and find a, an original name because you, you're right. You, the, if you pick a name that already exists somewhere, doesn't even have to be in your city, it's just somewhere. Chances are you are not going to show up in the search. Like if most people nowadays use Google to find things. Like we don't go to the yellow pages anymore. We just, when we want something, we just go to, you know, Google, hey, I want to find a bakery, bakery. Bakery in town or bakery kitchen or bakery whatever. And then whatever shows up at the top, that gets pretty much the majority of the people looking for that kind of thing. So you want to be at the top of that rank. Whatever it is, and if you can't be at the top of your own name for that Google search, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up to fail. So try and be original in your name. And if it's already too late, you know, if you've already got a store that's, you know, one of 20 across the United States or something like that, well, then you have to compete in other ways. But... Yeah, that's definitely if a consideration if you haven't yet created your site. You want something original, you want something creative. And the easiest way to do that is to just search, just do some searches, figure out if it exists or not, and then uh, rank for something that's, that's not out there yet. So domain hosting, the, uh, the other thing that Gary mentioned, though, there are out-of-the-box solutions that you can sign up for. It's more expensive. If you do it yourself, generally it's pretty cheap. WordPress is free. That doesn't cost you anything to install. But uh, there are other options. Uh, one of them is Squarespace. If, uh, if you guys have uh, looked at that at all, it's, it's a very nice solution. It can build virtually any site, including e-commerce, depending on uh, what you wanna, how much you want to pay for. And it's, uh, it's like a drag and drop solution. So before you used to have to literally hand code WordPress is a little bit cleaner, but it's still like a technical kind of thing. 
it, you can't just kind of play around on the screen and put things where you want them to be. Squarespace is literally, I want, a, I want a picture here, I want a thing here, and I want to just move these things this way. And you just drag and drop as if you were painting it, basically. Uh, other options? In, uh, I, would, I would mention Spotify if you're serious about e-commerce. And Shopify, you I think you mean. What did I say? You Shopify. Spotify. Spotify. Oh, no, I don't. No, I don't recommend that. I do recommend Shopify. I like Spotify. Let me start again. I would recommend Shopify. That's an excellent site if you want to do uh, dedicate yourself to e-commerce. It also does a lot of uh, lot of plugins that will um, do the work of a regular WordPress site. Again, you're going to pay for that ease of use. Yeah, and uh, I haven't kept up with a lot of those um, mostly because um, I'm past that. Um, in that sense, we have enough techie knowledge, and the site's been built over years to where. We are, but I would say at bare minimum, if if you're gonna go that route, just understand you will have some limitations that are built into whatever uh, the system is, right? No matter what, um, do what you're comfortable with, right? I mean, these CMSs, as easy as WordPress is, and Joomla again, a little more technical, and Drupal, forget about it. But realistically speaking, these still have not a great drag and drop. What you see is what you get, kind of interface. There's you decide, hey, you know what, I really want to have a countdown timer to the next magic release on my website. You get this Joomla uh, plug-in, you put it in, it breaks your site, right? There, there are things that did happen like that. Um, um, you know, but, but again, it goes back to, I think, your, your host, because a lot of your hosts will set up all that stuff for you. you. You get what you pay for, and you will pay a little bit more. Um, but yes, the, the ones that you've mentioned for very beginners and people that don't want to mess too much with it, um, because another thing that's important to realize about a website is it's not launch it and forget it. It is a day-to-day -day activity to keep stuff fresh on there and make sure that about every two or three years we go through a website redesign. We literally kind of potentially change the template, structure, except for not doing things every week to it almost feels like, you know, there's at least daily news articles being posted on there. So keep in mind, when you do a site, the other important thing is you have to you don't want somebody to go to your website and go, the last post was August of two years ago. And, and I'm not joking, I've seen that. I've seen that a lot. Uh, it gives a negative impression of your business and what's happening there or are these guys even open, you know. So um, the nice thing about the services you guys mentioned are that they're relatively easy to add content and do things to, right? The same with Joomla and, and uh, WordPress once they're set up. Yeah, and by content... What we really mean is, is it's kind of like the blogging idea, the blog post, but it could also you can know, call it news articles, whatever you want to put put it as. It's the idea of keeping your your uh, content fresh, not necessarily constantly tweaking the buttons and the menus or anything like that. Once that's kind of set up, you can you can leave that alone. You know, you've got your page structure done. You don't need to keep moving it around and adding new things. It's really just keeping uh, keeping the content fresh and whatever that means to you. You know. Not necessarily every day, but every couple of weeks at least. Yeah. And that's that also plays into uh, the SEO stuff too. Google likes sites that are updated, and they don't like sites that are not. So if you leave your site, if you just set it up and then walk away, you're you're missing an opportunity to, to stay at the top, even if you were once at the top. So that's uh, also an important, important note. And then, uh, yeah, where were we? E-commerce, you know, we, we kind of set this up a little bit. 
I'm going to show Gary's site right now just because I, I like it and it's uh, on topic. So Gary uh, and the Haunted Game Cafe, they have a, a, a nice looking site as we can look. We can see right now it's a very visual, visual layout. Lots of pictures, lots of menus, and, lots of information. And that's, that's also one of the things that we should talk about as one of the, uh, the downsides to a website is not only is a lot of content required for blog posts to make sure that it's staying current and, and of use, but modern websites require an enormous amount of art. And yeah. the pictures and the art on them are huge these days. The style of today is to hide menus and make the pictures gigantic. And keeping that website fed with nice-looking art can be a real challenge, uh, especially for those of us that are more technically minded. It's relatively easy to get a website working the way you want it to work, but to make sure that it looks artistically good is can be quite a challenge. Often it's very difficult to get pictures from publishers or, or manufacturers that will work with the way you want them to work. Uh, we've often hired photographers to come in um, it's one thing to take a picture with a cell phone, in it, mm. which looks okay on Facebook and Instagram and things like that. But when you take a, just a cell phone snap and, and put it up on your website, the limitations come through pretty clearly. Yeah, for sure. Getting uh, quality images for your site is, is one of the trickier, trickier aspects of getting something online because well, you, you want them to be original. Yep. So I'm, I'm scrolling through your... Uh, your menu here and rolling up and down the pages to show it off. But uh, <clears throat> it, it looks pretty good. And what I wanted to, to note and kind of just dabble in a little bit was uh, you have an online store. Yes, we do. We do have an online store, but it is actually a separate website from our blog. Um, the reason we did that is really we wanted to serve two different customers. Our main website is primarily designed for people to be introduced to the store and to get occasional updates from it. So it's kind of more of a brochure. Uh, people are here about us. They immediately go to our website because that's where we channel most of our traffic. And people can get a quick overview of exactly what we do. Because a lot of people are still a little confused about exactly what it is that we do. They don't understand yet the concept of I can go to a cafe and play a board game. I'm not sure about this. So we kind of, you know, ease them into the concept of, you know, exactly what we do and uh, and how things work. And then the e-commerce is for the the regular game customers who don't need to any handholding. They want to go right to what they exactly what they want. So we keep those uh, two separate websites with basically the same kind of branding. And I, uh, I see at the bottom of the page you've got a little Crystal Commerce logo for your, uh, your e-commerce side. Who are they and what do they do? Tell me more. Crystal Commerce is one of those pre-made companies we were talking about earlier that uh, you pay them a fee and they basically provide everything, all the infrastructure for you. They'll provide the templates. They'll uh, provide the uh, the infrastructure for shipping and for taking payments and for all the e-commerce um, foibles that can uh, that can creep in. 
And as a result, they uh, are able to provide a service that allows people to just, it's a turnkey service. You plug in what games you have and they'll uh, take care of all the infrastructure. We've been using them for a couple of years now. It's a good service for what it does. It allows us to integrate our inventory with our online inventory. One of the biggest problems with e-commerce is having someone buy something online and someone in the shop is holding it in their hands, right? So you now you've sold the same thing twice. And the way to avoid that is to have two separate inventories, the online inventory and then the shop inventory, which is a gigantic pain to try and keep track of. So if you can have the ability to have someone buy something online and it immediately tell the person working at the register, hey, this thing just sold, you, you know, we better take care of that, then it makes it a lot easier. Plus, it does it the other way. If somebody buys something in the shop, it immediately removes it from the online store. Yeah, now that, that sounds like it saves you a lot of uh, headache, potentially, by taking care of that stuff and integrating with the inventory already. Uh, yes, it does. It, uh, it, it's, I, I think, absolutely essential to try and keep a coordinated inventory between those two systems. Uh, it can very easily lead to a problem where things get out of sync and then you've sold things that you don't have and then you're having to apologize to customers, which nobody wants to do. Absolutely. How about yours, John? You want to take a walk through? Uh... We can, sure. Um, I got some things to to talk about specifically on the e-commerce side, but yeah, whatever you want to talk about as far as the website is fine. That's okay. Let's start there. Well, you can sure. start there and then roll backwards. So, um, so on the subject of synchronizing, that uh, I 100% agree with you. We have a unique challenge. We have a brick and mortar store. We have a mail order distribution center. Uh, we actually rent space in several warehouses across the country to make um, logistics easier. Um, for us. Crystal Commerce wasn't a solution because by the time it came around, we had already developed a system to integrate our point of sale system with our website and all these other selling channels. Now, it doesn't update on the fly, but it updates it every 24 hours. It literally, when we shut down the computers at night, they sync everything across the boards. And it's worked out pretty decently. The only problem we ever run into is when there's a run on something, and we see this, right? Um, I don't know, um, X-Wing model, the Pneumonium Falcon starts to become popular and there's literally a complete run on it and then sometimes we'll have an issue with that being oversold, but for the most part it's worked really well. Um, what we didn't like about Crystal Commerce was the dependency again on somebody else and Gary, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a point of sales system and you also use Crystal Commerce, right? You kind of use a Frankenstein system of both. That's right. Uh, I would never recommend to anyone what we do because it, <laughs> it is kind of a Frankenstein uh, version of ringing things up on one machine and then taking care of the inventory on another machine. The Crystal Commerce does offer an integrated point of sale system. Uh, it, it has limitations as all point of sale systems do. Mm -hmm. um, we've found that currently the benefits outweigh the downsides but but John's correct there there are some pretty serious downsides to having somebody else hosting your your point of sale system and and, and not to naysay on them one of the things they do well if you're having in singles crystal commerce is that's definitely a fallacy on our part we 
we don't do well with singles online, or actually we don't do them, to be honest with you, because of this problem. Uh, and we might eventually just use Crystal Commerce just for that if we can't get what we're trying to plan on doing to work. Uh, but it was a very techie thing to get. Um, we basically use Microsoft uh, Retail Management System, which is a really powerful system. But off the bat, their idea of a website synchronization was one piece of software only, that it's very proprietary. It was incredible expensive to host every month and very limited so we weren't happy with that what we did is I just basically went in and we figured out a way to code this software so that it would synchronize to the online store and then the online store synchronizes with all the other selling channels so um, you know um, Amazon Barnes & Noble I mean we'll sell our website as as much as possible we like exposure right so we want to try to sell across the board it's got its own set of headaches and that's something I would recommend to everybody at all um, you can do e-commerce as small as you're just doing singles, or you can do e-commerce crazy big. You know, whichever way you want to go, it, it's still a lot of work. Um, so, anyways, it, that's the solution we applied. We 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 applied. We basically um, did went the real serious, serious techie route, basically. Yeah, it sounds like you implemented something really uh, well. I'll say powerful, but also really complicated. Yeah, and it and it comes with a price, right? We have to create all the items in Crystal Comics. They're created for you. The bad thing about somebody else creating the items for you is that you're dealing with their system of whatever monkey is over there maybe making a mistake, right? Uh, I got enough of my monkeys making mistakes, so um, at least here I can yell at them. How's that? So. Um. There's nothing more frustrating than finding something, uh, a listing of one of your games that has an incorrect setting and not being able to immediately fix it because it's being controlled by somebody else. But as a beginner, when you're first starting off, it is, it is not bad because you can launch from there and then kind of go. Um, the other thing for people that are getting delusions of grandeur, um, some of these selling channels like Barnes & Noble, Amazon, there's some pretty stiff penalties for not having your ducks in a row. If you sell stuff that you don't have, you'll quickly get your account shut down, right? So your inventory's got to be spotless. Um, the other thing to consider with Crystal Commerce, I don't know if they still do this, but am I correct? They take a fee out of what you sell on underselling platforms, right? Um, they, they take a percentage of that. That's correct. They do take a small percentage of the things that you do sell online, which is good and bad. You know, sure. they, they keep their the fees low and you only pay a fee on what you actually sell. But it's important to note when you sell something, say through a third party selling channel, they're taking a fee, PayPal's taking a fee, Crystal Commerce, and you're going, haha, I'm winning because I put everything at 40% off and making it up in volume. And then you realize you're just yeah. making sure that you're going out of business faster. So, anyways, don't want to talk too much about e commerce. It's its own situation. There's a lot to cover there for sure. There's a lot of options. We, we currently, it's integrated to Joomla, right? For us, we use a solution that was okay a few years ago. We're looking at moving away from it next year and probably doing a setup like Gary has, which we, we found a much more powerful engine that will integrate the way we want it to, but uh, that means that it, it won't. There's a bridge that you can use that will kind of make the users that register on your Joomla website create an account in the online store so they don't have to create two accounts. We'll probably use that. That's about the integration, right? So when you click, you're really being taken to another site and that handles all the e-commerce stuff. So, um, but I think they the, what we'll gain from it is much bigger than what uh, we lose by not having completely into the website and one database, et cetera, et cetera. There's getting to be more and more options every day. I was looking at inventory control systems for our Square register, you know, the little uh, thing you plug into your phone. That's what we use to run credit cards on an iPad. And there's 
they give you an online site that you can sell things from. There's tons of plugins for it that you can manage inventory across multiple sites. Uh, there's more and more options every day. We use it for conventions. We use we just take an Excel file of what we're going to take. We upload it to Square, and that's our convention selling software. We also have the ability since we one of our selling links is a Microsoft Surface Pro, um, two I think, but it has the full blown RMS on it, so we can literally take it out of docking station, take it to us to a convention, and have our entire point of sale system with us. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and you can use it as a lane buster too, right? You can take that out and walk around and start ringing up people in the line. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff you can do. Again, maybe not cool for beginners. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 not go with that yet. Uh, start with one lane because these lane cost money per per lane, right? Um, yeah, um, that's anyway, that's the so. good thing about a website is you can start small and you can start cheap, and then you can you can evolve, you can grow as you need to. You don't need to start off with thousands of dollars in tech for just opening up you can sure. get started small and grow into whatever you require but back to the website and i'm going to point this out right off the bat my website isn't pretty um gary is is awesome looking i i suffer from tachitis i mean i look at things from a functional standpoint i want it to be clean i want it to be readable across all the possible platforms so the drawback to that is I'm kind of vanilla and boring. And one of these days, I'm going to have somebody go look, make it look pretty so people can stop bugging me about like, oh, no, it's just kind of. But I have things on there that I need. Um, like my customers, um, one of the problems we have, and we're still in this 3,000-square-foot store, mm -hmm. so we will run out of space at times. And walk-ins are welcome. They're, they're, it's fine. But we have a system through our calendar events where you literally submit an event. You just pull it down, click submit event. It asks you questions like how many people, what kind of setup do you need, give me a description. It comes to us, we look it over, approve it, post to the calendar, right? So these are the kind of things that not every website does necessarily. Um, but for me, it's important to have all this stuff working because of different things that we've done over the years that start to become, well, let's make the website do that, you know? Yeah, no, I was, I was looking at that page as you were describing it. That's a that's an interesting way of doing it. If you've got a lot of customers who want to kind of do their own thing and block out some time, yeah, in your, and, in your and shop, it's that's difficult. Some customers don't get it. They're like, "Can I just walk in?" Yes, you can just walk in, but you're saying I'm going to give priority to somebody who scheduled the event because it has the added bonus of also I'm advertising that event. I'm trying to get you players. I'm trying to build the community. And if it's not advertised in one way or the other, then it's a problem. We also needed a way for people to be able to fill an application online. We didn't want to do any, um, you know, we have a running database of applicants. I mean, like in the hundreds. So whenever I need to look for somebody, I literally can go through this database and start going, well, I wonder if this guy's still looking for a job, right? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of things I needed to do. And sometimes when you make your website um, flash and animations and things like that, and Gary's is not like that, right? It's, it's nice, it's clean, it's good. It just looks pretty too. Um, but some people have a tendency to go overboard, and all of a sudden it takes two hours to load your page, or it looks horrible yeah. on a cell phone, uh, and you don't want that. You definitely do not want that. Yeah, those are two things we definitely should uh, to touch on at least a little bit. Uh, yeah, like you said, you don't want your website to be heavy. So if you're going and putting in pictures that are multiple megabytes, and you've got all kinds of movies and images and stuff like that, and also, if you're going the WordPress route and you're picking a theme out of the box that's free, there's a good chance it's probably really weighed down and your page load speed is going to be 
five, ten seconds. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to end up like? And statistically, people will not wait. We have a we have short attention spans at this point in the in the internet age, and anything more than a couple of seconds, you will actually see a very noticeable drop in the number of people who will just bounce right out of your website. And also, search engine optimization, Google will rank you lower if yep. your pages are slow. Yeah, it all it all comes together. Yeah, so you want the lightest website you can get away with. So part of that is is kind of shrinking down your images so that they're smaller file sizes, which is not hard to do, but it's something you have to like actually consider when you're putting your like if you take a uh, a picture of your store, for example, with a a quality camera nowadays, you're going to look at a very high high resolution, high file size image, and if you don't shrink it down to be web optimized, you're just going to you're going to kill your load speeds. So you need to take keep that in mind. And then what were we talking about? What was the other part? Well, I should I should quickly mention that that's load speeds are one of the things I'm concerned about right now. I just spent a long time um, smushing all of our old pictures down using a plugin for WordPress that's excellent. And I'm about to actually hire an optimization person to come in and look at our website and make sure that it does load faster. That's something that I'm willing to spend a couple hundred bucks hiring someone to do because it is that important. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot to search engine optimization and just making your site uh, nice for Google and nice for your customers too. It's it's not just the search engine; it's also uh, user experience that's really important. But uh, and be careful on on hiring somebody that promises the world like yeah, I'm going to get you number one. Okay. SEO is is a very tricky thing, and Google goes out of its way to try to go around anybody that's trying to break the system or you know, there's some pretty shady ways to try to get up there on the ranks. And when Google puts a red flag on your your site, you're pretty much done. So don't you yeah, know? Getting hit with a, a Google penalty is not good for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just a also a side note on SEO people, you can't guarantee anything. No. And like that's that's Google's game. They want to keep it changing, and that's part of the. Uh, if for somebody who's not involved in this kind of stuff, you probably never heard of panda or penguin or hummingbird or any of that stuff but that's uh google algorithm updates and they've a quick history on the whole thing google likes sites that have a lot of links that was like their primary way of ranking things they figured out that uh websites that have a lot of links a lot of text links pointing to them are generally reliable because people are like oh we trust this we're linking to it you mean incoming links yeah incoming links from other websites from other websites so the more links pointing to it, uh, like a good example of this is uh, Wikipedia. It's the most linked to website on the internet. So generally it ranks for number one for almost, well, almost any topic because it's huge, right? So, uh, yeah, but that meant that it was once people kind of figured that out, then they could start gaming the, the algorithm by generating a, a thousand websites with a piece of software that all linked to a single thing, which would then boost that the website's ranking for a particular yeah. keyword and all kinds of, you know, shady stuff. They call that uh, black hat SEO. That's where you're trying to, you're trying to game the system rather than creating something of quality that people actually want, because that is what Google is trying to show you. Google wants, you know, its customers, the people who are using its service, to find good products. They want or good pages. Sure. That, a a directory is only the as business. good as the things it returns. If you're searching for stuff and you don't get what you want. There's no point in using Google, so. 
Exactly. So when people started gaming the system, they had to keep changing the, uh, the way things worked to make sure that it kept doing its job. So uh, lost my train of thought here. SEO. Don't rely on some guru to come in yes, and that was who's going to charge you a fortune because they know everything about SEO. You're going to get inundated by guys who claim to know everything about that stuff. Most of them, the vast, vast majority, are just crooks who are just looking to take your money and they're going to do basic stuff. Spend yeah. your time not trying to rig the system, but just do the honest work of making sure that your store is listed on every manufacturer's retail site, on every place that would actually want to have your information. Spend a lot of time getting your name on manufacturer's retail finders. Those work. Mm -hmm. yep. I agree. And they have to point to something, which is another reason why, yes, you want a website, not a Facebook page only. Yeah. So let's let's circle back and kind of revisit the question of social media and is it uh, is it worth it to have a website? So why can't we just have a Facebook page? Like what's what's the big deal? Why won't a Facebook page work just as well? Like it's still it's a web it's a web page, right? Yeah. Well, for me, it comes down to control. I, I want more control over my destiny, which is sort of another problem I have with Crystal Commerce, right? I mean, in the end, if Crystal Commerce says, you know what? We decided that it's going to have to be $6,000 a month for you guys to continue to use this service. I have no option. Uh, if Facebook decides to change its algorithm, again, like they just did, um, then I'm at their mercy if that's all I have. If in the meantime I've built up and trained my customers to know that I have a website, and that is the Bible. We do post some events on Facebook. We do have pictures on Facebook. We, we use social media as more of a way to communicate, another way to communicate with customers, because let's face it, that's where they are. Um, but with the monetization of, of social media, it means that they, they have a problem. They literally are a social engine that wants to deliver you advertising. And the problem they're having right now is that the more advertising delivered, the less people are engaged socially because it starts to become like, I don't want to scroll through all this junk. I'm interested in seeing what my friends are doing. So it's a, it's a dichotomy of what that engine is trying to do. Uh, and that's the problem they're going to have to figure out. In the meantime, though, if you rely on just on that, you will be paying the price because they will force your business to pay more and more money to just get that message across where while it's there, great. If it isn't, you still have your website to fall back on and not worry too much about it. The important part for people to understand is that these social media sites, they charge you for you, for your people, the people who have liked your page, they charge you for you to get your message to them. When you post something, it doesn't go to everyone who liked your page. It only goes to a tiny, tiny portion. And if you want your message to get to everyone who liked your page, you have to pay for that. Yeah, it doesn't work the way it used to five, no, not, not even five years ago, eight to nine years ago when Facebook really started to, to come out and people started using it. Originally, there weren't that many people on it and they could get away with, you know, you literally post something and everybody would see it because there just weren't that many users. But now everyone's news feed is pretty finite, So they, and there's over a billion people using Facebook. Like there's, There are advantages, for sure, for, for, for Facebook, but they've had to, like you said, change the algorithm, and the, uh, the reach for your Facebook page has gone down, 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 to the point where your organic reach, I think, is at like 5%, or something, something very like low. So that means you know, one out of every 20 people who like your page are going to see 
any given post that you put up. Unless, like Gary said, you pay to, to boost it, to send it out to those people. Now there are, I'd say there are a lot of advantages to using Facebook as an advertising platform, but it is a fine line that they're trying to walk between what it was before social media where friends would be able to connect and share photos and whatever else they would feel like doing and delivering the eyeballs to the advertisers that kind of pay the bills. So it's, it's, a, it's a platform that you have, it's a necessary evil, I think is one of the uh, easier ways to put it. You have to be there. If Facebook is huge. It's something that you have to be a part of, but it's not something you should rely on solely for traffic to generate, to come to your store. And like, that's another interesting point, I think. Uh, I'm not sure if a lot of game store owners believe that a website will drive traffic to your store because it's not like a direct line. People come to your site, they're not necessarily gonna become your customers, right? So how would you, uh, how would you convince somebody if somebody's like, well, well, I don't need a website. You know, whatever. It's not that big deal. Um, well, it, it's one thing we understand is nowadays the, the the traditional sale method is sort of disruptive. What we have now is a sale funnel, right? So people can become engaged. Think of it as like a, a funnel leading to your store. They could become engaged at the very top level of this funnel, where literally um, all they did is they came across a picture of you holding up a new product on Facebook, right? And that's it. They're like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe one day I'll go look at it. But you started that sort of seed that might eventually lead them to go down this funnel kind of situation. And, and that's the thing. It's very difficult for marketers nowadays to establish correlation between a sales lead and an actual sale because the engagement could have happened months ago um, through a friend's post sharing, oh, man, I was at the store and I was playing this game. So what you need to do is the reason to have a website and a good website, not a bad website, because a bad website will work against you. Okay, and yeah. By bad, I mean... Horrible looking pictures of um, never updated, et cetera, et cetera. There, there's a lot of things you can do wrong. Um, is that you're expanding your net for potentially catching a customer. And you might never ever see that correlation because I, I do Google Analytics. I look at people's paths. But then you look at it and this guy jumped out, came back two months later, looked at this page for another 20 minutes, then came back, then he chatted with us live and started getting some numbers. What do I need? What do I don't? These are all things. Do I like having a live customer support on the website? And sometimes I answer some really horrible, long questions about something and I never get a sale of it. Maybe. Three months later, the guy's like, yeah, I talked to one of your guys on the website and they were really helpful. You know, I my car broke down. I can buy anything. But now that I can, I got some money, I'm in here buying. So sometimes you will see that correlation. Sometimes you won't. But... You know, if you want to catch more fish, there's a couple of ways to do it. One's to fish longer. Another one is to literally get bigger, better equipment, right? Website is one of those things that you got to have out there. And, and if you choose not to do so, that's fine. It can't hurt. <laughs> well, okay, a bad one can't hurt. Yeah. But, yes, you do need it. I'm going to go back to that. You really should have something that works. The great thing about social media is that you're, the customers that you're getting are basically being recommended by their friends which is the best word of mouth in social media is an extended version of word of mouth. That's the best kind of advertising, absolutely, because you've got people doing that. But like John said, you really have to widen your net other than just this, this narrow group of people. You need to be able to get people that are just casually coming by your website. They're casually interested in maybe picking up a game for an event that's coming up. 
they're coming in from doing a Google search, they're coming in from some manufacturer site, they're coming in from a lot of different ways. And you want their the first impression that they have uh, of you to be your website, to be a place that they know that they can go and get what they want. For sure. I think social media and your website have to work in tandem. It's a strategy that you have to put together. Uh, social media should guide people towards your website. Ideally, I think that's the best way to do it. Like, uh, like John said, it's a funnel. You're kind of like leading them down a path that eventually, hopefully leads to a sale in your business. But social media is kind of that first touch point where people are like, oh, you know, this is really cool. This is a, oh, that's a really nice looking game. I wonder where you got it. You know, that kind of thing, or that looks like a lot of fun. And then it, you eventually step them towards uh, coming into the doors, hopefully. But uh, you have to have both. And I think Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and any number of the other, those are the big three. But there's, I think there's like 20 or 30 Instagram, different social Pinterest, media. I mean, yeah, there's it's not. Yeah, like Snapchat and all this other, and Instagram and Pinterest and all kinds, all kinds. They all count. And you could technically put a lot of effort into each one of those if you really felt like it. Yeah, it's a lot Th to keep That would up. require an enormous amount of time. Yeah, yeah. It, ideally, I think you could get away with uh, just Facebook. Facebook and Twitter, fine. You know, having a Google Plus page can't hurt, but of Google those three things, yeah. yeah. So, so Google Plus, interestingly enough, was Google's experiment to use uh, social media as a relevancy, right? If people are talking about the store, this must be a legitimate business. It's not, you know what I mean? How well it's working out for them or not, I don't know, you know, but uh, that's why we got a Google Plus account. Um, you know, it is the third thing. largest site, social media site. And, so. and they have different voices. It's Google Plus, I get a lot more techie people, I get a lot more. Um, higher education people, um, you know, uh, so I get different, I see a difference between the different medias. On Twitter, I get a lot more manufacturer involvement. They, re they respond to us a lot more on Twitter than they do on Facebook. This may be because Facebook is burying our posts, who knows what exactly, what the reason why. However, I use them and I try to play to their strengths, right, so, um, yeah, uh, and that's, that's it. I, I think we have a Pinterest account, but the problem with Pinterest is that you have to work from a cell phone, a specific cell phone, and it, it, it's really difficult to do that when you have an organization with nine people that handle social media, right? I mean, uh, I'm not doing it all myself. There's no way I could do it. So, anyways, for us, the bottom line is that social media is used for what it does best, which is showing uh, the social side of gaming. It's a great little snapshot into, look, here's people that are having a great time doing X-Wing. They're doing their role-playing game. Uh, somebody won the, the big event. It's a great little insight into, hey, here's happy people having a great time. And websites are for information. They're great for figuring out when is the event, exactly what time it is, and other information that you really need to know. Yeah, I think uh, the website is farther along the buying path. Social media is the fun, the interesting, it piques people's interest and gets them involved. And then websites, the information that they're really looking for, that's when they're like, I want to attend a pre-release or something. Where can I go? How much does it cost? When does it start? That's when they're like, I'm already decided. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to become a right. part of this. I'm going to join. So it's, it's further down the path. So I would value traffic to your website far higher than traffic on your social media, right. which is another uh, consideration. Traffic. 
And like that's it's the whole goal of having a website. You want people to come visit it. If no one's looking at your website, what's the point? Right? So you need to point people to it. You need to generate traffic. And that's what SEO is supposed to do is you, you want to be top of the rankings so that when people search game store or whatever your city you're in, you that's you. You're right at the top because that's where you want people to find you or whatever keywords you're you're happening to target. But uh, yeah, you, you want to turn that traffic into sales at some point down the line. And uh, part of that we alluded to earlier on in the conversation, John mentioned uh, a newsletter. So there, there are two, two kinds of traffic. Traffic you own, traffic you don't own. Facebook, you don't own anything. It's, right. it's all Facebook stuff, right? Traffic you do own is, is, is your website and ideally getting these people onto a, uh, an email list. That's, that's the big goal because once people sign up, once people put up their hand and say, I like your, what you're doing, tell me more. They're basically saying, please sell to me. Like, I want to I wanna know more information. I want to know what cool products you have so I can come in and buy them. So part of the, part of the strategy is you need to have some sort of uh, way for them to sign up. So if that means like a little text box, if there's a little pop-up, you need something to get them on an email list. And then it's a little bit more work, but you also need to uh, then communicate with them via email too, right? It's not just posting on social media. It's not just posting content and uh, blog articles on your website. You also have to kind of uh, send out newsletters or whatever that happens to be. You can take the form of the email can take many shapes, but communicating with them via email is one of the uh, one of the most reliable ways of getting people to constantly come back to your website and then eventually kind of cycle back into your funnel and come back into your store. So what do you uh, what do you use? What how did you get started with that John you talked about it first so um, so first of all guilty about not having a I believe subscribe to our newsletter button which is something I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to so for the newsletter we use ACY mailing which is a, a plugin that integrates to Joomla the nice thing about that is this is the same database so um, any news article that's been published on the website can go in the newsletter drop of hat any image even products in the online store currently because uh, it is integrated with the media shop is what we use for the online store it's part of Joomla the same database so if I really wanted to I could drop an item or an offer into um, the database itself and then it goes into um, the newsletter um, so People can sign up, and we need to put it on the website. Uh, like I said, I'm guilty of not having a button there that says, hey, sign up, and I need to get it done. Just never, one of those things you never get around to. Um, they sign up in our store, and we export an Excel file from the store that says I want to sign up um, to the website, and then it just creates the account for them and adds them to that new newsletter. Um, one of the things we don't do too well and because of time constraints, is to section off and do separate mail listings, which we can do, right? We can have a separate database for Pokemon players, and mm -hmm. you know, we should send on uh, a newsletter saying, two weeks to the pre-release, sign up now, or you got 10 spots only left, or 100, or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. And those are all functionally possible in the software, um, and with the equipment that we have. The problem is time, and that's, that's why I was trying to get at, uh, start small with the stuff, because it will eat up time as you go. It really, really takes time to do it well. So I don't know if I need to say anything else about the newsletter. Did you have any specific questions about it? I'm sort of like on limbo line now. I don't know. Does, do you want to say anything about it, Gary? I've got a few uh, points, so. 
We've tried quite a few different ways to do our newsletter. Um, I haven't been entirely happy with any of them. So recently I hired a marketing consultant to help me with this and she's been absolutely fantastic. So what we've been doing for the past year is basically what's called A-B testing. We'll send out uh, a newsletter with a particular type of content, say new game arrivals, and we'll look at how well that particular email does. We'll send out another one about upcoming events. We'll send out another one about things that are happening in the shop. And what we're able to do is look at how our customers are responding to each of those styles of email to see what is the most popular and what people actually want out of this information. We put that newsletter link up everywhere we can find it. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. It's We ask people uh, when they're checking out, uh, would you like to be on our newsletter? And if they say yes, we spin. We've got an iPad sitting right there that we spin and put them right in front of them and say, "Okay, here you go. Just type in your name and hit go." Um, we make sure that we kind of put exclusive content in the newsletter. I personally don't like just copying information that people have already seen somewhere else. So we make sure that we put exclusive content or important content in the newsletter first. And then we post on social media and our website, hey, the people that are, you know, signed up to the newsletter just got a really cool email or they just got into a contest or something. You should sign up for the email, too. And it's been super successful. The campaign that John suggested to me about keeping people engaged about what the future of the shop is going to be has gotten us hundreds of new subscribers because people nice. really are engaged. Yeah, uh, yeah, it we gives them a chance the to voice their opinion, right? Which is something everyone loves to do, especially about something that they really enjoy. If somebody gets to kind of shape the future of a of their favorite uh, gaming hangout, that sounds like a, a great deal for them, right? We use uh, it's it's been fantastic. I'm very very pleased with how it's going, and it, again, it's all about crafting that message and control. People who signed up for your newsletter are the people that are actively engaged with your shop. And you don't have to worry about Facebook or some other social media clipping or changing your message or reducing the amount of people that are seeing it. Exactly. It's, uh, and for the, the technical aspects, we use MailChimp. Um, they all work particularly about the same. Uh, some have better benefits than others. I found MailChimp to be the easiest to use, although none of them are particularly extremely easy to use. It does take uh, uh, quite There's a bit a of trial curve. and effort. Sure. There is definitely a learning curve in, in getting the templates to work the way you want them and getting it to appear the way you want it. And, and we do do a segmented list, which is, you know, we will send an email to just people that have said that they're interested in magic or people that are just interested in role-playing games or board games. And then we have a master list that goes out to everyone. I had uh, two topics to deal with this thing, uh, specifically the tools that you use. You mentioned MailChimp. There's also Aweber, there's a ConvertKit, there's Infusions, there's old Infusionsoft, there's a lot. But uh, if you're just starting out, MailChimp and Aweber are, I think Aweber's free for a small list, or is it a very small charge? MailChimp is free uh, for the first like thousand or something. And there are paid options to help you, uh, you know, automate certain features or add certain little bonuses and stuff like that. But uh, both of those are fine to actually get people onto your your email list like John was saying he's got a, a plugin that does it that puts a little sign up box on your website there's also 
uh, other tools. There's uh, one called SumoMe. I don't know if either of you have, uh, have seen it. It's a, it's a piece of software that you can install on any website and it creates, there's a whole bunch of different, uh, different features, like a little box that shows up on the site or a, a landing page that you can create. And the purpose of it is to just, you know, have a really catchy headline and say, hey, if you want to be part of the list, you should put your email list down here. And then secondly, what we were talking about, uh, segmentation, it's all about the voice. So your website will communicate to people in one way, in one way only, right? You can't, well, it's, it's hard. It's pretty much impossible to have the website change based off of the person's interests, right? In the same way that uh, advertising, you're just going to blast out an ad to every, to everybody who sees it, whether or not they're interested in Pokemon or magic or Warhammer, you know, if you're advertising your game store, you're going to be talking to them in the same voice. Uh, the email list is nice because if you get a little bit of information about somebody, like uh, what they're interested in, and as gamers, we all kind of fall into a particular segment of, uh, of the gaming population, you can talk to them individually as opposed to as a group, which is a great, which is a much better way to connect with somebody, right? So when you're being able to talk to somebody specifically about magic, or specifically about Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever the product is that you're trying to uh, trying to promote and trying to get them to come in and and partake in, you're going to have much greater success if you do segment your list and uh, actually craft a message for each group rather than just hope that uh, your broad broad email like not that it's ineffective it's better than nothing but uh, being able to segment is a uh, pretty important stuff. So. It really helps because you're able to get a little more inside baseball and talk in a language that those customers understand more than the general audience is able to. Yeah, sure. And you, you, there's a lot to be said about some people don't want to hear. You know, we get this a lot with Magic players, for example. They just want to know Magic. They don't care about other stuff or, or some Pokemon players. So there is a segment of population that just wants a message. It's like, I just want to know when you do a Magic tournament, when you do, you know. So segment your list, and like I said, we're guilty of not doing that still. Uh, it's high on the priority list once we're done with the move. But uh, I, I wanted to mention one more piece of equipment, though, that I don't know if you were thinking about talking about, and that's a, like a, a mail server. Um, our mailing list now has toppled over the 5,000 uh, subscriber mark. So um, normally we use Google as an email server. However, um, it yeah. does 200 and then see you tomorrow. 200 and see you tomorrow. So you need to start in looking at if you have such a large um, mail, are larger than 200, I would say, right? You don't want to send out a newsletter where 200 newsletters go out today, another 200 tomorrow, and by the time it rolls around to 5,000, I'm already in the next week's newsletter, right? So we use Elastic Mail. It's, I think it's 0 0.01 penny per email sent. Uh, you do pay a price for it, but it does take care of all your emails in one sweep instead of um, going through. Um, when you do that, though, you got to understand that your price is based on how not spammy you are. When people start marking your emails as spam for whatever reason, mm -hmm. um, you get docked in a number of ways. Um, first of all, you get put in the spam folder and nobody ever sees your message. Uh, so it's important that you make sure that when somebody says, I don't want to get your newsletter, you don't. You don't automatically put people in the newsletters opt-in, right? They have to yep. say, I want to be, I want to hear your message. Because you're doing, you might think, hey, man, I'm just going to put them in there. Somebody's going to see it eventually. You're actually 
it's counterproductive. You're making people mad when you do that kind of stuff. So don't. It's also illegal. Well, that too. Yes. That too. There are uh, now regulations, can spam and all that stuff, that uh, specifically target emails and things like that and, and regulate the way that things are done. And like John said, you have to have your customer opt-in. You can't just put them on your list and start sending them things. And, and I don't want to send a bunch of emails um, to people that don't want to read them. So There's you're not too. doing yourself any favors if you do that. You, just, you really are not. Yeah. Unfortunately, when you do that, you are going to get a certain percentage of people that rather than hit the unsubscribe button, they're going to hit the spam button. They're just going to do it and there's no getting around it. So email companies do understand that there is a small percentage of spam that you can, you can withstand, but it's got to be very, very low. Yeah, you're, you're definitely aiming for a, a, a threshold below like 1% or something like that, depending on uh, the size of your list. And that's, that's the other thing. You know, people are going to unsubscribe. It's going to happen. That, sh I don't believe that will negatively affect you and your, oh, no. uh, your open rates no. or anything like that. But no. it's something, spam is something that you want to avoid. And, and the easiest way is to just not be spammy. Right. That's like, don't send thousands of emails over and over and over again saying, hey, buy my stuff. Hey, buy my stuff. Like, you know, you do it intelligently. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of robots out there that will sign up for emails and, yes. and they're just junk, junk email addresses, which means that, well, you may, you may not care. Well, so what? It's, you know, just it's my list is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, except that your open rate, the percentage of people that actually look at your email when it's sent out to them will go down and down and down and down. Yeah. Um, I kind of do care because even though it's 0 0.01 penny, it's still 0 0.01 penny. I don't want to spend on a bot. So. Especially <laughs> yeah. if you're paying for it. Yeah. Exactly. And like uh, an open rate is something that the uh, the serve the web come or the uh, the email companies will look at to see if you're doing something you know that's quality that people actually want to read. If your open rate is abysmally low, like sub five percent, then that's a sign that you are also doing something shady. So. You want to keep your open rate high, and one of the ways to do that is uh, to kind of uh, filter your list every six months or so. And uh, if your service allows you to, you can do a re-opt-in campaign. So basically, just send an email to your list to say, hey, if you want to stay on this list, please click this button, and it'll put you back in. And anyone who doesn't will automatically be filtered out. And you want to kind of keep your list clean and active, because if, if people aren't looking at your stuff, it's only hurting you. You're, you're actually spending money doing it, and it's not gaining your, your business isn't gaining anything from it. So you have to constantly kind of, well, not constantly. Every once in a while, you have to do some spring cleaning of the whole thing. Do we, one thing I was thinking of is maybe we want to do a quick outline of things that should go on your website, right? These are, if you're going to do a website, at bare minimum, have these five, ten things. Um, that, sure. I don't know. I feel like it would be good, a good thing to do. So, um, you want to start first, Gary? What What do you feel like if you had the right now? Your website is brand new. You're gonna start it. What are the five or ten things that have to be on there? The The things that absolutely have to be on a website. Let's see. To me, the most important part is communicating the atmosphere of your store. People want to see a lot of pictures and a lot of things about. What can I expect when I get there? You want to show your layout. You want to show the kinds of events that you do. 
And I'm not talking about a calendar. I'm talking about you know how you're displaying how people are playing your games. I think for me that's the absolute most important thing. And then there's the nuts and bolts things. You absolutely have to make it easy for people to find you and your hours. You have to have a calendar that's somewhat easy to navigate. What else, John? What else is absolutely essential? Uh, so yes, um, um, there's ways to simply put in a Google uh, map uh, to your location. So when you look at your address, that's great. Most phones nowadays can figure out an address and literally when you click on it, it'll take you to navigation. You can make it just that much easier by using a Google Maps um, plugin to your website to where you know you're guaranteed, you know, whoever it is with a smartphone will be able to just click the button and now they got directions to your site. Um, we see that a lot on our website when people go do about us and you know they'll just literally click and you can tell the, the analytics will tell you okay this person asked for directions to your to your place right um, hours of operation and days that you are closed um, if you're closed on the fourth of July like we are um, put it up there you know um, if you change your hours of operation change the hours of operation on your website um, I'll wait for your customers to contact you. Um, we have a live customer support. We have a way for people to email us. Um, so I would say that's probably it. All the other stuff, um, the e-commerce, even a fancy calendar events. I, I literally saw a calendar events done with, it's done by hand. person took a picture of the calendar and put it on the website. And every month they take a picture of that calendar. It's, it's not simple, but at the very least it's there. So I, I um, envy them. <laughs> I would love to change to a system like that. <laughs> yeah, there's no way for here. Not when people want to sign up and reserve a spot and want to send us events and want to pay for their registration online, right? These are all things that we get there. I don't think that's necessary day one. I would not suggest that being a necessity. Um, everything else, like keep your site relevant by posting news articles of what you're doing. Again, that can be something you do later. Uh, but I agree with you 100%. Have an about us. They have some good pictures of what you look like inside. Um, I like to take a empty picture with the store showing the size of the store, the space available. But I also like to put like jam packed. There's people coming off the rafters. Yes, we are an active store. We do stuff. Um, I, I don't like to do just one or the other because sometimes people get like, oh my god, it's crazy in there. I don't know if I can go shopping. But at the same token. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't want to show just an empty store and go, oh, nobody's there, you know, so, you know, but um, I think those are the essentials, I would say, um, and, you know, in the context, yes, your your address, um, your phone number, again, that's another clickable thing by a lot of um, web browsers these days. If you're on a smartphone and it looks like a phone number, it'll give you a link to call it. Uh, sometimes it gets confused and gives you other things as links to call, but you get what I'm getting at. Um, those are pretty much essentials that need to go in there. Okay. And, uh, yeah, uh, I've only got a, a few things to, to mention. Uh, the nuts and bolts, you need the about page, you need the contacts, you need the basic info. Like, that's, that's essentially what your site should have. And then, in addition to that, like you said, you know, lots of images, lots of pictures of your store. Because what you're trying to do is you're essentially trying to sell your business to your customers. You want them to think, you know, show them how awesome your shop is. If you can accomplish that, you're going to do very well with your website. And then uh, secondarily, I don't know if any of you guys mentioned it, but you want to have your social media buttons 
-hmm. available. You want your social media accounts easily found. So uh, like I'm looking at Gary's site right now, he's got the Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, and stuff like that, all just at the top of his homepage. You want a theme for your WordPress, if you're using WordPress or if you're using Squarespace or however you get it set up, you want your Facebook and your social media stuff uh, front and center. You want it connected in an obvious, in an obvious place for people to, to join your list. There's no reason not to. Most, most websites will have that uh, as an easy option nowadays. And then uh, and something we talked about before, responsiveness. If you're using WordPress, almost every theme that's created uh, in the last, I don't know, two years or so is responsive. So you will probably get that right out of the box. But if you don't, you're only hurting yourself because more than half of the people who are searching online now search via an iPad or their phone. So if you're having an, uh, if your site is ugly on a phone, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's terrible. That's the reason why ours is kind of plain the way it is too. 75% of my viewers are mobile viewers. So it's literally one of those like, eh, you know, and Google um, Analytics, if if you're brave enough to dive into that gigantic ocean of numbers, will give you information like that, like how yeah. many people are coming in from what what type of device. And they offer some really really good video courses on how to read that data, how to set it up, and all that good stuff. It is time consuming, but it's well worth the time. Um, you know, data can be misleading if you don't know what you're looking at. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So analytics are an important important aspect of uh, making sure you're doing something right you want to get feedback and it's hard to know if uh, if you're doing the correct things if you don't have any sort of response or feedback or numbers to look at so that's always a measurement is always important it can be very very hard to realize that your website is no longer doing what it's supposed to be doing because you don't get that immediate feedback like you do in social media that you, you don't see the drop-off so you really do kind of have to keep an eye that your website is still relevant. We covered the nuts and bolts of getting your website up, and I think we answered the question sufficiently enough. I hope we've convinced people that you need a you need a friggin' website. And one way or another, if you do it yourself, you know you have you have a lot of simple options nowadays. You have almost no excuse. It's just it's so much easier than it was when both of you guys got your website set up. So almost everybody should have a website at this point. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's a good way to to close out the show. I actually have one final parting word of advice, um, sure. which would be keep it simple. Uh, this can be daunting. This can seem like crazy. Oh, I gotta have an e-commerce store. I gotta have Facebook. Gotta start yeah. somewhere and just do that part well. When you're comfortable and you're 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 good, you're keeping up with that part add an element to it. The website, my website's been up for 20 years. We didn't have a search uh, capable um, calendar of events. We didn't have a calendar of events that immediately you could link and from your phone you can pay and register for it. We didn't have calendar events that could submit and take events and et cetera, et cetera. These got built over time and we're always looking at what new tech we can add. So don't start going nuts and, and overwhelm yourself. Start with that basic brochure site. Make sure you're able to keep up with that one. And then go from there. I mean, the sky's the limit these days with technology. But you can take on too much too fast, do it poorly, and then you're actually hurting yourself. So, you know, again, keep it simple. Yeah, and don't get intimidated. It's something no. you have to do. Don't be afraid. It's easy. It's easier than you think it is. You don't have to get in over your head right off the bat. All right, sounds good. Sounds good, guys. Yeah. I guess until we meet again. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show, guys. 
Always appreciate it. It was a great conversation, and I hope the listeners got something out of it. The viewers, too. Hey. And again, if anybody has any questions, we're always open to topics. So, you know, get a hold of Thomas. Mm -hmm. We're all on Facebook, as you heard. So I'm sure you can get a hold of us and submit your questions. And, you know, um, we'll gladly, if it's something we can talk about on the show, we'll do it. Yeah. Now, uh, shout out to Patrick in case uh, he's watching this episode. I uh, recently got an email from him, and he's in inspired me to, to talk about some of these things. So I think we've got some interesting topics coming up in the future. So yeah, s send us your questions, send us your topics. Anything you okay. want us to explore, let's dive in. The wonderful thing about, about, about being an entrepreneur is there's so many different hats that you wear and you end up with a, a little bit of expertise in, in dozens and dozens of little areas. Well, thanks for inviting me on, gents. Thanks for coming on the show. We will talk to you guys in two weeks. Couple of weeks. Sounds good. All right. Take it easy, guys. Have a great Bye. weekend. Bye-bye. All right. So that's it for this episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. Without you, this show doesn't exist. So, you know, as always, I want to just let you know that I definitely appreciate your listening. And I also want to thank my co-hosts for this show, John and Gary, for coming on and sharing their collective, collective wisdom with us. Don't forget to check out maniversesaga.com forward slash bluehost in order to get a great price on hosting your brand new or existing website. And also, while I've got you here, I want to let you know that next... The next episode of the Maniverse Podcast, next interview episode of the Maniverse Podcast, is going to feature the one, the only, Gary Sproul. And we're going to go deep into the Haunted Game Cafe and also explore some of his, uh, I want to say, very interesting and intriguing work history experience. Gary's got some pretty crazy background that once you hear it, you're going to, everything's going to make a lot more sense. So I'm uh, really excited for that episode and I think you're going to really like it. So. Don't forget to come back and check that one out. That's it for this episode of the Metaverse Podcast. I've been your host, Tom Traplin. This is me signing out. See you guys later.